Hey, this is Talk with Rollshare. I'm Sophie Smallwood, co-founder of Rollshare.com. Today, we talk with Nabila Virji, equity, inclusion, and diversity lead at X, the moonshot factory, formerly Google X. We talk about how feeling safe to share at work is key to equity, inclusion, and diversity. From feeling safe and supported to share the reality of our lives and our situations to sharing jobs for greater diversity and opportunity. Here is Nabila. I had the pleasure of working at X now for almost a bit over a year. We're formally called X the Moonshot Factory. And what we're doing is really solving the world's hardest problems and creating innovations that are almost unthinkable today, but you'll see coming through the pipeline in 5, 10, 15 years. So things that you would laugh at if you heard about now, but are going to be part of our reality in the near, almost near future. And really what I have come on to the team to work on is specifically running our programs in relation to equity, inclusion, and diversity. And now one amazing thing that X has done is placed our equity, inclusion, and diversity efforts smack dab in the middle of the business. So we actually love to put fun names on projects and the Equity Design Lab sits under our COO and he really drives all of the strategy at X, working with a handful of our projects that we're cooking up inside X, these future innovations. And we're really infusing our equity, inclusion, and diversity practices in all aspect of the business. You know, oftentimes you'll see diversity and inclusion teams sitting with your HR or people operations team, sometimes with talent. That is definitely where the idea had come up at X is to really embed us there, to really work on some of the foundational aspects at the very forefront. But slowly we realize that this is something that is so critical to think about throughout all of our business practices that we stuck it right in the strategic heart of our company. So I'm really here to advocate for our underrepresented communities I manage and build our employee resource group ecosystem. And another large part of what I'm working on today is really building partnerships outside of X to really brand our company to underrepresented groups that may not have heard about us before. I barely heard about X the Moonshot Factory before I came on board. It has been really a journey of kind of taking the door that was really just kind of a crack open to swinging it wide open to increase that branding, to elevate the employee resource groups and ultimately get in a really extensive pipeline from some of these efforts really with connecting with organizations and universities. That's fantastic. Now, X was, from what I understand, part of a larger company previously. How did it come about? Yes. So X, we are very lucky to be almost a sister company to a very well company known as Google. And a handful of years ago, we were called Google X. It was actually an entity within kind of the Google world. And just the last few years, kind of the world has seen 
really a restructure around Google and of course the parent company now Alphabet. And we actually worked to produce a handful of what we call bets. So these are all the companies under the Alphabet umbrella, like Waymo, which is a self-driving car business, Loon, the internet balloon, Wing, which is a drone delivery service. And these are all ideas and companies that were built within X and eventually graduated out of X to become their own standalone companies. So we've certainly gone through a transformation in the last few years, creating our own kind of structures and kind of our own look and feel, if you will. But, you know, X has been around for about 10 years, really behind the scenes, working with entrepreneurs, academics, technologists to build some really groundbreaking innovations. That's great. Diversity and inclusion, obviously, is a topic and something that must be very close to your heart. So what does it mean to you as a whole person? I mean, for me specifically, I think that my experience with diversity and inclusion, growing up as first generation in the U.S., my parents are Indian and immigrated actually from Tanzania. We have two generations of family born and raised in Tanzania and East Africa. And I have always felt really misunderstood in a way. You know, when you hop into an Uber and someone says, where are you from? I've always really struggled with that question and just kind of have to code switch. And I think that at a certain point, many years ago, when I had my very first stint in tech at a pre-IPO company working in sales, I really feel like I found my voice. I really came in and kind of rebuilt myself in a sense and was very proud of who I am and just really was able to express myself and kind of, in a sense, bring my whole self to work. I think there were definitely times where I had to act a separate way and I was very aware of it. And for me, diversity and inclusion is certainly leveraging those differences for the better. Mm -hmm. It's empowerment, it's fairness. It's really what creates successful company culture, an evolving company culture, an inclusive company culture. So for me personally, being able to create processes within a company that help people really either discover ways in which they can contribute in a very powerful way because of their differences. That is something that I'm certainly still on a journey and a path on. And I mean, diversity and inclusion today, in my experience at X, it is almost a dream to be able to work on groundbreaking innovations at the very front end to ensure that these billion dollar companies are going to be thinking about diversity and inclusion at the very front end of creating their first teams, testing their products, and creating something that I or my family or the people around me can also indulge in and be built for. That's really powerful if you think about it. The fact Mm -hmm. that diversity and inclusion is such a core part of X and that you are, in essence, really helping set the foundation for so many other who knows what incredible technologies that will come in the future. 
and that they're in essence being groomed to really value diversity and inclusion from the get-go. A number of years ago, I was interviewing for a role at a startup, this company, I won't say who they are, but I was in the room at this point with three men who were all Ivy League school graduates, very, all tall white men, really. And here I was, you know, very strong woman, similar to you. I'm very proud of my heritage. I'm half Persian. I'm half Swiss. I feel quite worldly. Toward the end of the interview process, because this is a very important part of my selection, because I think when you interview with companies, you're also interviewing them, making sure that you would be happy there. I asked them, how do you feel about diversity? How do you make sure that you include that as part of your company culture? And I remember the response really sort of set me off and basically solidified my thinking that this would not be the right employer for me, even if they were to invite me back for an interview. But their response was, we don't have the luxury to think about that right now. We're still too young. And they were about 30, 40 employees at that point. And in my opinion, I think that should always be part of the agenda, part of your initial business plan, even if you don't have any employees yet, right? So Um, I think it's wonderful that these companies that you're working with are being groomed from the get-go, these ideas that will turn into something big to really value diversity and inclusion. I'm glad you shared that example. I mean, for me, 30 people already is too late. Right. Look, we're not perfect. I'm not saying every company we're turning out right now is, you know, a poster child. There's certainly extremely deep process a learning and development journey and experience with the founders, with the team, with the technology as it grows. And I will say for the companies that are early stage or, you know, that are a few hundred deep, they're going to have that moment where they really have to say, oh, crap, we didn't think about this and now we have to fix it. So often in diversity and inclusion work and why probably any diversity and inclusion practitioner you talk to today is just exhausted is because of this constant retrofitting, coming into a company, having to discover so many gaps for Mm -hmm. the lack of foundation when it comes to diversity and inclusion. That's something you just cannot afford not to think about because just the sheer time and resources of kind of this almost reactionary work that needs to be done when you come into a company. And of course, with so many of the evolving worldly events that we're facing as underrepresented communities, a lot of the work is going to be reactive. And taking the time to do the proactive work while you can create roadmaps and OKRs and all the other corporate speak words for planning. Sometimes that all goes out the window because of these moments of retrofitting or reactionary moments in time. I feel that we have a great opportunity at X to have many proactive moments to really be able to set the tone for technology moving forward. And I mean, that's, of course, me putting a big bow on it and saying it's just this great gift and it is absolutely challenging. Things move so quickly. Just with that company you talked about, you were interviewing with, they're basically saying things are just moving too quickly. We don't have time for this there is a risk for not making the time. Yeah, absolutely. I read recently in a study that was done by the Institute for Corporate Productivity, I'm sure you've seen this, that the pandemic, COVID, Mm -hmm. has resulted in 27% of companies putting diversity 
and inclusion efforts on hold. If you had to, in essence, pitch for more investment in diversity and inclusion programs to a CFO, what would you say? Look, I'm no stranger to asking for money from, from <laughs> in my role. Luckily, a lot of people are not saying no right now. I think right now there is a lot of momentum, but in the moments where there is quiet or when the interest has died down in a sense, for me, it is really important to put your dollars towards creating inclusion programs internally. I think our ERGs, employee resource groups are such important pieces of the puzzle because they serve really as a multifunctional entity when it comes to diversity and inclusion work. And I think that these typically are volunteer roles for employees to really spend time in addition to their day job to help create and cultivate these communities. So I would say first and foremost, you have to create a budget for your employee resource groups. I would definitely ask for that. Second, I would find some sort of way to compensate employee resource group leaders, these volunteers, and that can be in any way. I mean, compensation through recognition, through actual compensation, through a certain percentage, through bonusing, because really, I think right now, the culture around overworking folks that are essentially in times of trauma and pain, it's just unfair. And that has to be recognized. So many dollars and cents have to be put towards the front end of recruiting and sourcing because that pipelining is so important. And of course, training, trainings and learning experiences for your managers, for your company overall. Everyone is on their own path. People are on their own adventures when it comes to diversity and inclusion. I think it's been very enlightening over the last few months certainly with a pandemic layered on top of then a social and racial injustice pandemic to really see and hear where people are. So we have to, of course, meet people where they are. We can't unfortunately do any cookie cutter type trainings. They really have to be bespoke and they really have to be dollars put towards those experiences. So I see really talent and really that pipeline and that retention and churn as something that could potentially keep up folks that are focused on dollars and cents up at night. Right. And I really being able to create programs to get the best talent in the door and really be able to grow and depend on this talent to retain is a big part of the process. If you're looking really big picture. The only time in my life that I didn't feel like I truly belonged to a company is when I became a parent because literally almost overnight, the way I was thinking in the world of work changed, not because I wasn't ambitious anymore and not because of any of that, but just simply because my life had changed so much and the things and the way I lived was quite different from the way that my core team lived. Around identity. There are parts of our identities that we have the power to share or not share, depending on how comfortable and approachable our colleagues are, right? Or even our manager. So there are some things that are part of folks' identities that can't be hidden. 
you know, the color of your skin, or right. if you have yeah. a visible, say a visible disability. Right. And I think that especially now yeah. we've created so many resources and are listening deeply to our parents' community because of course mm-hmm. the time that we're in in a pandemic and the dramatic changes in what it means to be a parent right now. And we wouldn't know that unless we created a culture where people are open to sharing that, hey, this is what I'm going through. You know, who else is going through this? How can we support each other? How can we make our teams aware of these experiences so that they have a better understanding of our lived current experience? And so pandemic or not, I think that when things happen in life, those things should be shared if you have created a culture where it's acceptable to share. And I think so much of the support day-to-day that you get from a manager or a peer and also how you can connect with others and create community through these ways that you identify are really critical in just your experience. Because mm-hmm. if you don't feel comfortable sharing, you know, that affects your work. That affects potentially how someone sees you and potentially can make assumptions. I think that right now, especially, it's so important to create that space for people to share if they're open to. And of course, create resources where parents are able to still thrive in their day-to-day jobs. And also their number one job, you know, really as a parent too. So I interviewed the CHRO of Boston Globe Media previously. She's wonderful, Mm -hmm. Claudia Henderson. And she had experience previously working with two women who shared the role of a manager at Johnson & Johnson. And she said that sharing a role for her was, in essence, diversity and inclusion, empathy embodied. Because when you share a role so closely, as a role share, I also like to call it a micro teams for people who are not really understanding Mm -hmm. how it might work. You're almost literally walking in the shoes of another person who's perhaps very different from you. And so I found that to be quite an interesting tangential benefit of sharing a role is that it is, in essence, increasing people's empathy and their the exposure to different ways of working, different cultures in a very intimate working environment. So when you think of professionals who want to work part time, joining up for full time roles in a role share. How does that feel to you from the place that you are coming in at X? Yeah, I think that really the role share idea and the way that it can be implemented company to company can benefit in so many ways. I think absolutely it is touching every point of diversity, equity, and inclusion. The sheer connectedness that you need to create with another person and really be able to, again, really deeply share that work and to learn about styles, to create, of course, empathy for that person and why they are in a part-time role. Right. So That's important. Key. It mm-hmm. is. It really is key. And I think that even for, if we look at beyond what the role share sharers are experiencing, we also want to think of it kind of even at a larger scale. What is the manager experiencing that is essentially managing two people that are doing the same work. How is that enlightening for this manager and their teammates too? 
Of course, yeah. I've been a huge advocate for a long time. I would love to see this in practice in some of the companies that I worked in before. And of course, I mean, Alphabet and Google, it would be amazing. I think that, yeah. you know, people say that the more the merrier. I really think that this is a perfect case of that. And oftentimes, like we see the underrepresented person being the number two here or number three mm-hmm. or number four, this opens an additional opportunity to get in that person that we oftentimes does not get the chance and oftentimes exactly. we're represented. Exactly. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's eye-opening, right? I mean, look, it's two people doing the exact same job, similar concepts or in similar teams. And yeah, I just think it would be beneficial for everyone in that experience mm-hmm. to be able to just be a part of it. And that was Nabila Virji, Equity, Inclusion, and Diversity Lead at X, the Moonshot Factory. Diversity drives innovation. Innovation drives revenue. Simple mathematics. Now square that with sharing. I'm Sophie Smallwood, co-founder of Rollshare. Thanks for listening and join me for another episode soon.